welcome to the quarter three movie podcast of the movie John Wick. My name is. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> That's quite Shut all right, up. Kelly. Hey, I appreciate your Foley work. Got excited. My name is Christian Morosky, and I am joined here. As I enjoy here every year by I can't Kelly Wand. Uh, Kelly Wand, uh-huh. do you have a tagline for the John Wick movie that we saw this week? <laughs> if you burn him, better make sure it's both ends. <laughs> I forgot that you do a great Keanu. Oh, I think everyone does. He's like Elmer Fudd. Mm. But, um... Uh, here are my backups. I have two. Right. Snuff, snuff John Wick's dog. He won't tallow it. Because tallow. Mm. Uh, the bronze is smoke him if you got him. Kelly. I wish you just stopped at zero wand. Is that what you're thinking? Uh, no, what, what I was actually thinking is um, how I was really excited for a tagline talk this evening. Because the because uh, I thought the movie's actual tagline was so horrible. Well, you you're one of those people, and I know you're in the majority. Where if a, if something doesn't make sense, it's not funny to you. Like you, if it's a, if it's a joke, like you'll go, wait, it can't be a black hole because of something. And to you, it was like, don't set him off. Like that's a fuse, not a wick. So like to you, like you couldn't get over that. I remember it doesn't make any sense. Right. Don't set him off. <laughs> It's the the idea is, but some things don't have they're, to. They're trying to make a play on the wit on the word wick, so it would right. be like don't light it, or I don't know what it would be, but his name's not John Fuse. It's not that easy, is it? Though that your your default was don't light it. That's probably what they were. That's probably they went with till last week, and then they went wait, we better go with don't set them off. I any of the ones that you came right. up with are. Gads better than don't set him off because don't set him I off doesn't make any sense. He's not a fuse. He's John Wick. It's a candle. Yeah, all mine are candle jokes. Except yeah, for the, your candle the, jokes are much more effective. Well, smoke him if you got him is kind of a cigarette joke. I, I like your uh, both ends. Thing. Your both ends thing is awesome. I, I would go with that. Don't set him off doesn't make any sense. You could use a candle though as a fuse, just a really slow one. <laughs> Like 12, 12 to 18 hour fuse. <laughs> Maybe like, it's his birthday. If it's going to be really... Yeah. Or it's just like... What's that movie that's like 20 hours that Dennis Hopper made? Called The End or something. I, I have no <laughs> that's idea. That's definitely not the title. Forget that. But it's like a one word. It's like The Hopper or something. Alright. Uh, so anyway... I just I, I apologize for being so upset about uh, don't set him off. I don't think it makes any sense, uh, and I've been looking forward to Kelly Wan's tagline ever since because I was certain and was correct that his tagline would be better than that stupid poster thing. Don't set him off. So Kelly, thank you for not disappointing. Mm. Uh, now, uh, however, this is my question for you, Mister Wand. Uh, Sam Carbine said, "The call." <laughs> I mean, uh, <laughs> uh, every week for the last several many weeks, we have done an IMD, IMDb synopsis. By we, I mean you. Uh, often it has been suggested by a listener. 
Um, this is not the case right now. Uh, although, no. if, if listeners wish to suggest ones to Kelly Wan, since he does not tweet or have a Twitter thing, um, uh, listeners, just tell if, Dingus. If you can tell me, you can tell me at, at uh, you can tweet me at uh, uh, Dingus underscore at Dingus underscore X, or you can uh, you can get to Tom at at quarter to three dot com. Or I mean, at quarter to three. Or you can just email us at quarter at three by three at quarter to three dot com. Um, what? Yeah. Okay. So they can send something to three by three at quarter to three dot com. My bar's gone up, especially since Tom was upset that I used his. Like, all right, now it's going to be nine dBs are going to be. Bigger. He was not upset. Shush. Well. So anyway, if you, if you, you guys have an idea for for uh, an IMDb synopsis that you would like Kelly Wan to read, just tweet me. Uh, Dingus underscore X. Otherwise, Kelly, do you have an IMDb synopsis for this week? I do. All right, let's hear it. The naughty high schoolers of Angel Beach High now <laughs> seek revenge on a group of KKK religious fanatics and corrupt politicians who want to shut down their Shakespeare production after they <laughs> cast a Seminole transfer student in the lead. Oh <laughs> Sadly, say, I actually. Uh, I'm going to ask that yep. nobody, nobody tweet me uh, ideas for <laughs> synopses since Kelly Wan chooses. I got this. Someone. I have no idea what this is. What? Uh, I knew you wouldn't. You <laughs> would you read but it again, please? Because I, I was it's too really busy giggling. Because when I was watching the movie, I was thinking, wait. So the opsis, the IMDb opsis for this would be this, and then it really is that. It's like the writer of this is not crazy. That's what the movie's really. <laughs> Would you, really? would you? That's what that. It's like Empire Strikes Back. This is the plot of it. Like it's that such a weird juxtaposition about this. <laughs> would you read it again, please? I mean, a lot of it's obfuscation, but there are giveaways early. Spoiler alert! All right. The naughty high schoolers. You still don't know what it is. <laughs> that already <laughs> you're staggered. I have no idea. The naughty high schoolers were I there. I just love the way you say the word naughty. The naughty high schoolers of Angel Beach High, the ironically named, let's see, now seek, just like John Wick, now seek revenge on a group of KKK religious fanatics. Even that part's interesting to me. And corrupt politicians who want to shut down. <laughs> this is what the KKK wants to do. Just to reiterate, this is what the KKK's goal in the movie is shut down their Shakespeare production, the high schools, after they cast a Seminole transfer student in the lead. Uh, how is Seminole spelled? Seminole? Uh, it's, is it like one of the people from Florida State? How is it spelled? Yeah, it's S... Oh, wait, you really thought the KKK was upset at a Seminole transfer student as <laughs> yes. even like... No, dingus, you racist. It's a fucking Indian. Jesus. No. Shakespeare and Seminole, S-E-M, wait, capital S-E-M-I-N-O-L-E. Oh, okay. I wasn't sure if it was Seminole or Seminole. I don't remember who played the Seminole transfer student. So they're not a lead in the movie itself. They're a lead in the... They're the MacGuffin of this movie. All right. Oh, it's so cute you don't know what it is, because I think all the listeners probably are going... Jesus, Dingus, really? I don't know. If it's not Footloose, I don't know. Oh, you're not far off. Okay, here's your hint. It's a sequel. What? 
Uh, that even that was supposed to make everything like fall into place. I don't know the whole KKK thing. I I have no idea. That, that's a, don't worry about that part. Oh, Not is, that a, is that a black herring? Oh my god! What? I just after all that seminal stuff, you're gonna go there? Yep. With me? That's right. With you? You me? Uh, it's rhinestone. No. <laughs> That wasn't a sequel, although it felt like it. Remember in that movie, Sylvester Stallone was wearing a brain t-shirt? Like a yellow oh. shirt with a brain on Okay. The Naughty High Schoolers, Dingus. What's that make you think of? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to unpack this for you. Uh, Porky's. Yeah, it's Porky's too. the next day. It was the oh, day... Oh, really I- is? Yeah. Oh, jeez, all I had to do was get and Porky. Monahan fights racism. It, yeah, that's, it's, so, it's so weird, because it's like, Porky's is all about getting laid and a bordello, and then the sequel... Wait, Porky's Two is a is yeah. about racism. Yes. Are you kidding me? No. Now, what is the actual movie? Come on. Porky's Two. The next day, I swear to God, it's really Porky. You're, yeah, it's the Empire Strikes Back. The Porky's you trilogy. Gotta be fucking shitting. You're. It's Porky's Two. Yeah. Oh, Look it up. That's what I remember. I remember watching, going, "Wait, this isn't about deflowering Peewee." And also the fact that it, it's also one of my movies that take place in a single day, like it's right up in the title, like, okay, it's all going to happen, 12 hours. So like the day after they all get laid, they go, wait, fuck all that having sex thing that we were obsessed with for months. We got the Shakespeare thing, and it's today. There's a production today, and the KKK is suddenly mad about it today, and the politicians are mad about it today. We got to like... Wait, are you kidding me here? It's Porky's 2. The next day, yeah. There's a old transfer student. I don't recall them in the first movie. And now they're friends with them. It's a really weird franchise because there's like nine characters and they're all boring. And then like Dan Monaghan's like their whipping boy. And he's the only one you remember. But there's like three dudes who are interchangeable and a jock named Meat. And they're in a girl, I guess, who's not. Who just thinks it's cute that like no one has sex with her for some reason. Can I just ask you how in the world... You got to choosing Porky's two for today. I looked at Porky's and then I went, wait, the second one's that got that weird plot. And then I looked it up and I went, I wonder if they wrote it out. And <laughs> the thing that's, it's like written without irony at all. It's like the naughty high school is which like this could be. It, this was how it was pitched, probably like to the studio. Like, all right, okay, okay, okay. We get your corrupt politicians. The kids want to see that. Seminal transfer. We got we got the seminal demographic. Nailed down. We got the Shakespeare production. Uh, <laughs> all, all of the things we need for a right. successful sequel. If you thought fucking was interesting, if you thought if you, thought, your, if you that, thought putting your penis through a shower wall, yeah. Was the last thing that happened in the story was like Pee Wee gets laid on a bus and his his condom's too big, so they tie it in a knot for him. So it's like if you watch the second movie right after that, it's like five seconds later in screen time. Like here's what's going down. KKK corrupt senator oh yeah and they embarrassed the senator i remember like he goes on a date with uh the girl of porky's the platonic girlfriend of the band God. the naughty yeah. schoolers. the more things you say the more i don't believe that any of this is real that I you're just making shit up uh, no and, and every time you say kkk if you keep saying it it just sounds like something that somebody's going to text somebody it's, KKK. The, it's interesting to me that like the KKK would give a shit about Shakespeare. Like, all right. 
Well, well, it's, you know, Shakespeare's uh, constantly letting people spin shit out of our. They're dressing up in drag. We've got a moor. I mean, I can understand the KKK getting upset about Shakespeare. But it also, the synopsis doesn't mention which play it is. Like, that's not important. Obviously, it's the one with the seminal. That's the play Shakespeare wrote. So it's either Othello or um, Henry V. Or, yeah, Twelfth Night. All right, so anyway. Anyway, that's a movie we did watch. Kelly, you uh, you uh, you thoroughly fooled me. You had to give me several hints in order for me to figure it out. I'm sure everybody else figured it out well before that. Um, so I don't know why I would have thought you would have seen it, but I thought you would have just like stumbled on it some late night and gone, wait, what movie is this? Uh, no, no. You? no, I like... Watching I'll, Shakespeare. I thought I was watching Kenneth Branagh movie. What's at that point, it was I was still like looking at newspaper, like... It pictures of movie advertisements in newspapers and just fantasizing about those. I mean, that's as, as far as I could get at that age. Yeah. Porkies. Porkies. Then the third one, they went, all right, that's that was too complicated. We're just going to get back to the bordello stuff. So the third one's kind of like the Jedi of the series. Wow. All right. Well, anyway, this week, let's get back uh, on oh my God. where we are right now. Oh, yeah, we have so much so much better cinema to discuss. We have some cinema to discuss, because this week we saw John Wick. Samina Seminal. Seminal. A uh, 2014 American action thriller movie about a boogeyman who is not the boogeyman, but everybody still calls the boogeyman. Because it's Halloween. It's a Halloween movie. Yeah, it's a Halloween and Halloween and Halloween, but not Halloween. So, a boogeyman. It was directed by David Leach and Chad Stahelski. Only one name of those appears in the credits for some reason. Um, and it was written by Derek Kolstad. It stars... Oh. What? I don't know. It stars Bridget Regan, Thomas Sadowski, Dean Winters, Adrian Palicki, and Keanu Reeves. Hey, you know what has wicks in them? jack o Boom. John Wick is rated R really? for strong and bloody violence throughout language and brief drug use. What? Brief drug uh, use. Yeah, yeah, or he's, yeah. Yeah, because... Fury, though, everything looks PG-13, doesn't it? Mm, no, this definitely looked R to me. And plus, that it did have brief drug, drug use. Vigo lighten up his little spliff there. That's it. Yeah, that's brief drug use. Which the important thing is strong and bloody violence throughout, Kelly Mon. That's legal, though, weed in some states. Yeah, well, not in this particular state. But nevertheless, even if it's legal, we've known this from Tom's frequent oh, right, right. and justifiable objection to people smoking in movies. Just um, so even when we have like teenagers uh, smoking cigarettes, which is legal uh, in all states in our union. Uh, it doesn't matter whether it's legal or not, as is alcohol use. Um, this is something we don't want our children to see, so it was right. rated R because it's brief drug use. Yeah, cigarettes and spliffs both have wicks. No, they do not. What are you talking about? I don't know. Well, I guess may, uh, maybe there's one, there's a wick in one of the spliffs. So the title's even R-rated by your standards and Tom's. So the numbers, um, so the quarter research department has just uh, run in. Yeah, they've just teletyped right into my, my little uh, booth here, my broadcasting booth. The quarter three research department has just let me know that John Wick 
on Rotten Tomatoes, which is a percentage of reviews that are positive, uh, John Wick is at 86%. What? Yep. Get smart. 86%. Top critics, 75% Kelly Wand. Oh, that changes everything I just said. Uh, it doesn't really. So the audience and the critics are both at 86%. Metacritic, which is the average rating from various reviews, is at 67 Oh, now there's three numbers to keep track of? Jesus uh, Christ. You can keep track of any number you want. No. Uh, no. So box office for this week. Uh, uh, you know what the number one movie of the week was, Kelly Wand? Uh, Ouija. Ouija was the number one movie of the week at $20 million. Oh, because it's Halloween. Uh, we should see... Do you yeah. wish we'd seen Ouija at all? I know oh, I no, no, no. Absolutely not. But I don't want to give anything away. But uh, I don't want to go see a movie called Ouija. I mean, I saw part of the trailer for that. It looks totally dumb. No, it taps into our fear of that scene from Paranormal Activity. Right. And so all I have to do is go watch that scene from Paranormal Activity. And my my fear is effectively tapped. I tapped that fear, as they say. So John Wick is number two this week at fourteen million, and then Fury was thirteen million. Uh, just to give you an idea, um, uh, John Wick—it's a little bit disappointing, but um, you know, Equalizer, for instance, was at thirty—is at thirty-four million. Uh, this but, weekend? But, oh, okay, yeah. no, not this weekend. Stop. But for instance, Three Days to Kill, which I really liked, was a twelve million dollar opening. So John Wick is sort of in that ballpark. Um, How much did the top critics spend on the money on the movie? The top critics spent uh, <laughs> they spent thirty four million each. That's not funny, Diggis. Please, I didn't know That's it was a serious serious question. Question. Yeah, All right, come on. So Tell anyway, John, John Wick's number two. Um, it did uh, serviceably, but you know, it's a little bit disappointing. Just like uh, the gunman in John Wick, like they didn't perform up to John Wick standards. The one he's faced against. Is that what you mean? Is that what you're gonna say? Okay. Be quiet. Um, anyway, so uh, those are, those are our, all of our numbers. Um, Kelly Wand, let me ask you a question. Is there some sort of thing that you would say about what happened in John Wick? Where <laughs> something I would say. Listen, what's the question? I don't understand. You get. Is there that. something you might say? Yeah. An extended story you might tell. Or uh-huh. something you might tell us, or maybe a poem you might read, or a script you might say about John Wick. I don't know what you would call this, some sort of thing or a story. I don't know what you would call the John Wick thing. Gypsis. What? Gypsis. John Wickpsis? John Wickopsis. The, the ones I are, want to call it, some read better than they sound. You know what I mean? All right. Well, the, you don't have to. You don't have to ask no. me questions. The, you can just tell me. What you, exactly you can just go do the opposite, but you go, "Hey, what would you call it?" And you also go, "Do you have a tagline?" Not what's the tagline. So there's uh, three questions. I am just, asking a lot of you. I agree. I have to keep track of the three maths, words, people. <laughs> I hope at the end of this podcast you have added all the maths together, and then you can tell me what the final sum is of them. Well, top podcast listeners, give it a 63. Was that what you are going to say? <laughs> all right. That's what I was going to say. All right, so give us your John Wixus or Waxus. What is John Wickopsis. John Wickopsis. Excellent. John Wick slowly crashes a Russian truck into some dumpsters. The truck's jet black, like his heart, hair, eyes, clothes, co-stars from The Wire and movie. 
He tumbles out onto the pavement. There's some blood on his face, so we know it's the end of the movie. File that away for later. Though the pain of doing so hurts so much he even grunts, John Wick pulls out his cell phone and watches its only contents. Two seconds from this one time at the beach where he pulled out his cell phone and stuck it in his wife's face. On the flashback app, she's all, Jonathan, a cell phone? What the? He's all, looking at you. Then he films himself kissing her. I spend most of the subsequent non-fight scenes picturing how awkward that would be to do simultaneously. Can you really enjoy the kiss while you're fine-tuning your composition with your spare hand? And what's she thinking? I'd be all, hey, you're filming us kissing because I'd die, huh? John Wick visits her in the hospital. She's dying. He doesn't film it. I'm not really listening, but I think her last words are, your knee's crushing my pelvis. I exit my auditorium and explain to the teenage girl at the refreshment counter that I don't want to buy anything. I'm just waiting for the wife's deathbed flashback scene in John Wick to be over. (laughs) She tells me there's a long line of people behind me. I confirm this. I ask the guy behind me if he's also waiting for the wife's deathbed scene to wrap, but it turns out to be Sandra's dead kid story and gravity to wind down. He met his wife. Oh, what? Diggis, come on. That's good shit. I dare you not like that joke. He met his wife while she was in line waiting for Liam Neeson looking at his dead kid's photo and nonstop to finish. The guy in line behind them's all, Yo, I want some popcorn. The Guardians of the Galaxy Dying Mom opening's almost over. Let's get a move on. I ask the usher if the wife's dead yet, and he says mostly, so I resume my seat and tell the gun sitting beside me. Now that that tear-jerking shit's over, we can get to the good parts. The wife sends him a webcam message going, Hey, since I'm dead, I mailed you this dog. She points, but he's all, Till on the webcam, she sighs and goes, Look down where my finger's pointing, fool. He looks slowly down from the webcam. He notices there's a carrier with a puppy in it right there in plain view. His wife saw, Her name's Daisy. Wait, she looks about three months old. How long have I been dead again? Anyway, they're out of a dog food at the hospital kennel, so I grabbed you guys some cocoa pebbles. I know you're allergic, but they're Daisy's favorite. Also, your zipper's down and your hand's burning on the stove. See one of you soon. He feeds the dog and takes her to work with him, but forgets to close his front door, so the dog follows him outside, just like his wife. He also forgets to close his car door after he gets in, so she climbs in to go with him to work, just like the wife did. He looks at the dog and goes, The wife didn't wake me up in the morning by climbing onto my face, so I guess I've traded up. Remember when he said that in the movie, Dingus? Yep. Then he gets out his phone and films himself driving the dog to work. His job's to drive to a garage with an airport by it and scream at motionless snowplows while he fucks up his brakes. Kind of like Carbine. They don't show the puppy's unseat-belted take on all his screams and the car's wild fishtailing. <laughs> but she did like that chocolate cereal. I lean over to the gun beside me and whisper, I wonder what the drivers of those snow plows sitting there watching him do all this make. <laughs> I'm assuming they were driven, dingus. They just have them there. Undriven unsupervised. Eventually the snowplows lose interest so he stops driving and looks down at the dog. He's all, you see daddy almost hit those plows? 
The director forgets to show us the dog. John- <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to look up his name. <laughs> why, why didn't, why didn't we director? see any reactions of the dog during that? I don't understand. I know. Because the car is the money. All right. Pretty but that is weird because they made such a big point. Yeah, never mind. John Wick smiles at us and goes, Now let's go to a gas station. Then he's all, whoops, fuck, and films himself on his phone telling us that. Unfortunately, he goes to the same gas station Theon likes to buy his cars at. <sighs> all right, so let me just mark this. I was wondering how long it would be before you said the word Theon. Um, it is at. I don't okay, know. I'm, I'm just writing down the number. Go ahead. He shows up a lot earlier in the movie than the opposite would lead you to think. Because I had to go off on some tangents about the uh, death scenes that offended you, Dingus. Within the time it takes John Wick to hang up a gas nozzle and get into his car, another black car pulls up at a different island and some fuckwads emerge, jabbering in movie Russian. (laughs) Don't I just sound pissed off? Yes, you do. But I love movie Russian because they had a discussion about this tonight. But go ahead. Right, because you... Okay. Now I'm curious. Uh, Prior to that, I was not curious. Uh, A subtitle's all. This word is in a boldface font. Another subtitle's all. Fion laughs sinisterly. They run over to John Wick's car and leer Russianly. Fion's all. Sell me your card. Keanu's all. No, in Russian... He honks for a bit and singles. God damn it. Fuck. Sorry, I'm going to shut up now. What? Me? No, me. I'm, I'm being too... Uh, go ahead. You're doing fine. I'm laughing. Too much. I lost my place. Sorry. He honks for a bit and signals courteously, breaks sharply for no reason, and drives off honking again. Theon makes a Judge dread face. <laughs> He starts to move forward like he's going to angrily chase John Wick's car on foot. But eventually another actor indicates he should stop moving forward. With his hand. <laughs> that was for me. The mid-son of the movie. A little extra flavor. Theon somehow finds out where John Wick lives, does nothing for ten hours, then goes with twelve friends in the middle of the night to take revenge for the memorable gas station incident. Dingus? Thoughts? <laughs> My summary? I'm guessing they're just tracking out his license plate during all that time. Oh, yeah, huh? No, they're Russian. They don't know how to read it. Ah, oh, good point. They tricked John Wick's house by getting inside it. John Wick's technophilia extends only to cell phones, not home security. He can't keep the dog in or the intruders out. They beat him up, steal his car, and kill the dog, but for some reason, no one else dies. John Wick buries his dog in someone's yard, then films himself looking problematic. For convenience, I misuse that word for creative effect, by the way, Dickens. Yeah, well, Just like Wick. For convenience, he keeps all his guns buried under his house's foundation and ten feet of concrete. He digs them up screamingly with his hands and goes to visit his friend, Juggling God! <laughs> Juggling God. 
John Leguizamo. Garage. <laughs> John Leguizamo's garage tells him he punched Theon in the flashback. John Leguizamo tells him John Leguizamo punched Theon in the flashback. Mm. Uh, excuse me, Dinkus. Theon's dad's Russian, too. He's all, Theon, goddammit. The subtitle says this in Russian. Theon's all, what? I smoked at my buddies at the gas station, just like you asked. The dad's all, not that. You stole John Wick's dog and killed his car. Theon's all, oh, you mean he's a boogeyman? The dad's all, no, in Russia, we call him Baba Wawa. That's something for <laughs> Keanu, who kills the boogeyman with the help of William Defoe. <laughs> he says William because it's Russian, Dingus. <laughs> All right. He turns to William Defoe and goes, You have always been loyal to John Wick. Will you kill and or save him for two million rubles? <laughs> William Defoe's all, yeah. Disregarding this conversation, the dad hires his 12 most interchangeable gunmen to go over to John Wick's and shoot at stuff. He did that right after that, William Defoe saying. The 12 professionals are less effective than Theon and his cronies were, and John Wick shoots them all in the foot, then the face. As usual, the last dude's got to be strangled. A cop comes to complain about the noise, but leaves when he sees broken glass and bodies. Kind of like that guy, actually. Yep. John Wick calls some guys with squeegees in a van to cocoon the bodies and saran wrap. He pays them in arcade tokens. Bet Dexter wishes those existed back in the 80s when Cold in July took place. What do you think of that poll, Dingus? Going deep, bitches! Uh, awesome. It's like the Giants. Although the dad got mad at his son for not killing John Wick when he had him dead to rights, the dad now does it too, although luckily William Defoe had a hunch all this would happen and lives in a nearby building with a sniper rifle in it. writes itself. Since John Wick's home has been cleaned up by the squeegee guys, he moves into a hotel. The squeegee guys. <laughs> I should get laid off more often. The security there is Swiss cheese, too, but at least their concierge is Lance Reddick. <laughs> Lance Reddick has a French accent, since concierge is French. He calls John Wick while John Wick's fighting a girl with a broken thumb and says something like, This is Concierge Lance Reddick from the front desk calling. Where's your room again, Mr. Wick? John Wick's all, Oh, go left, left, right, right, left, up, mirror, left arrow, except on Sundays. <laughs> Lance nice, Reddick. Nice callback. I like that. See? Very nicely done. No one's going to get it, too, because they haven't uh, seen it. They guessed yet. We were Lance, in a room with that guy. We were in the same room with that dude. No. And he was said he thought it was a serious drama, even when he shot that scene. Is that fucking? He, he thought this was a comedy. Right. I <laughs> know it was. He was right both times. Lance Reddick lives, but stops having scenes. <laughs> I need like that one. John Wick tricks Theon by killing him, but gets captured. The dad wants to kill him, but John Wick makes a speech that starts with, you took away my grief, so the dad loses interest and bails. His guys try to kill John Wick with a paper bag, but botch it. The broken thumb girl sees William Defoe shake hands with John Wick by some water, so she tells the dad. 
It's become IMDb, hasn't it? I was a little tired by this point. It's exhausting. The dad gets mad at William Defoe and stabs him in the leg. William Defoe's face is all, damn, I didn't think this would happen. Ian McShane comes on screen and shoots the broken thumb girl because she did something on the wrong continent. <laughs> what? Doesn't he say something like, your continent's been revoked or something? You the know, okay, keep going, though. John Wick, no. uh, look, doesn't matter, dingus. I'm more, this is too big, this is too big to fail. John Wick goes to a bar with a lady working at it. She's all, what'll it be, John? <laughs> I'm the, I'm so good. I'm a good actor. He's all, a beverage. She's all, I've never seen you have this emotion before. He's all, seen? She's all, vulnerable. He's all, I'm retarded. She's all, tell me about it. I'll say, tell me about it. He goes to appear with the Russian guy in his car on it. More guns yawn. Eventually, he and the Russian guy are the only ones left with guns. One of them's finally all, no guns, just you and me. They put away their guns and wrestle in the Matrix Revolution's reign till nothing happens. John Wick drives to a toll booth with a dog pound in it and picks one at random to walk to the end of the pier with. <laughs> a newspaper headline's all, John Wick's still upset. Some credits are all, Produced by Eva Longoria. <laughs> Isn't that a great thing? Was- yeah. The gun leans over to me and whispers. So that explains it. The end. <clears throat> Very nicely done. Thank John you. Wick! <laughs> John Wick! Um, so we saw John Wick, and you sound like you like it, you crazy bastard. Although, there was a chunk that I actually thought was fun, so... I'll be curious. Well, so, so give us your fun chunk, then. The fun chunk for me is with the, I liked the first gunfight in his house. Um, I like how he fought. I like I liked how he moved when he fought. And just, like, he looked like he knew where everybody was. I kind of like that. I liked all that up till I liked the cop visit. I thought that was funny. And I go, oh, this movie's fun. This cop scene makes it a comedy. It gets, it gets what it's doing. This is all on purpose. And then I liked the raid on the nightclub, although it was a little similar. But I go, oh, this movie's okay. I get it. It's a revenge drama thriller, '76 movie. And then it set up a bunch of characters who wound up not mattering. And then by the end, I'd kind of like broken up with it. What do you mean it set up a bunch of characters who don't matter? Um, the girl wound up not mattering. The guy from The Wire, Freeman, the guy... Um, wait, 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 hold on. The girl wind up... You mean, are you talking about Adrian Palicki? Uh What's her name? Is she the one who was handcuffed and then she kills the guy from The Wire through the pillow? Yeah, yeah. So she... You're, you're saying... Okay, so she's... Well, the movie's called John Wick and she winds up... Right. She winds up selling out. Like all, none of that necessarily needed to have happened and neither... And Nate McShane, too. He doesn't... He winds so, up... So like, you're talking about the girl, you're talking about Perkins, right? Yeah, Perkins. There's no reason to call her the girl. I mean, other than the fact that he doesn't kill her, he doesn't dispatch her. She's just another assassin, and she happens to be female. Right. I mean, she's not, the, she's not the girl. She's not somebody who's any sort of female interest to him. She's just the girl. We just can't see our male protagonist shoot a girl in the head. I mean, he can shoot every man in the in the world in the head, Um but he can't shoot her in the head. But she's not the girl. She's just another assassin. He could. He should have shot her in the head. 
Yeah, yeah, he should have, but she, she, he let her stay alive because I think, uh, I think part of that is that when he goes into the bar, he says, per, I mean, he, he sees her, they, they, or actually when he goes to the, the bar, lobby, when he goes into the lobby, she's like, oh, uh, you're here again? And he goes, yeah, Perkins. Um, so it's clear that they, they have had, they have a past. Um, so I think that's why it lets her live, although it feels more like, but I don't think she's the girl. There's no the girl. in this So you're taking umbrage with me calling her the girl rather than what I said about her being sort of irrelevant. Like they don't have a rematch duel. And oh she- yeah, you're you're absolutely right. He, okay. I mean, he, I mean, you're yeah, you're absolutely right. And and her, you know, her eventual eventual dispatch is is silly. But good. What what are some other characters who end up not mattering? Uh, Ian McShane didn't matter. Um, none of the other gunmen did. Theon didn't wind up mattering. Okay. Um, I didn't think. And then the guy on the pier besides the dad. Didn't okay. Matter. I don't know. It just seemed like it seemed like a more static, derivative, bland universe by the end. While as when the cop came by and like, oh, everybody knows John Wick. There's a noise complaint. Can you keep it down when you kill twelve guys? Like, okay, now I'm in a specific kind of movie. That's now I'm in like the guest. Now I'm in something where I'm not quite sure. Yeah, 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 yeah. But then it kind of went. It sort of contracted back. Like, oh, and also, too, uh, Lance Reddick's character wound up mattering. The guy she killed... There's two guys from The Wire in this movie, and neither of them wind up... Who's from The Wire in this movie? Uh, the guy who gets shot through the pillow is in The Wire, and Lance Reddick's oh. in The Wire. Oh. I love that guy from, who got shot. I do, too. Yeah. So, and then, right. Yeah, go ahead. Well, no, just... You know what I'm going to say. It's just like, he gets one scene, and well, it's that well, scene. I think that I think that I think you make a really really good point because um, the reason that uh, I you know when I did my little mini opsis and I say who stars in this movie I, I said almost all of those actors you're talking about mm-hmm. uh, because I think the be- the very best parts of this movie are those are those actors are, are uh, Bridget Regan who uh, plays uh, Addie who's the bartender in the uh, in that bar at, at, in um, Oh, what's the name of that hotel that they're in? You made fun of it a minute ago. The Regal Beagle? No, what's the name of the hotel they're in? I suddenly can't remember it. I'll remember the it. The girl. Yeah, well, no, but the the hotel that they stay in, that that's that very special hotel that's so cool. The uh Paris Hilton. Gosh, oh, wait, cool. Kelly. I don't know. What? I don't you want me to remember the name of the hotel in the movie? You got upset. I didn't remember the director or the actress. I'm, no, it's not that. It, it's I called the name John Wick. It's called the Continental. So it, it's uh, called the Continental, and it's oh, it, okay. it's its own like fortress, and it has its own rules, and it's I mean it's a really cool construction, and so the bartender down in the basement of this hotel that he he goes down into the bar and that's where he first meets ian mcshane and he and we're we're being told the rules of this hotel and this world that we're living so 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 that that woman who plays that bartender i think her name is is bridget regan and then we have thomas sadowski who is that that cop who plays who is jimmy who's the guy who come out comes outside the house and is like even in john even in jimmy you back in the game no i'm just cleaning up some stuff so it's it's that thing that you're talking about. It's an awesome scene with that cop, and the, and that guy uh, Thomas Sadowski is in the the television show Newsroom. He's really good in that show, and 
he just does a great job in that one little scene right here. And then you have Dean Winters, who plays uh, the the right hand man to Vigo, who's constantly like, "Will you just say it in English?" To Vigo, uh, who's the mayhem dude from the Allstate commercials, and he's really funny, but he doesn't. He's not trying to be funny. He's just really good, but. We don't know who he is. There's uh, there's the dude at the at, at the Continental behind the desk, Lance. What's his name again? Reddick. Lance Reddick. He's yeah. he's great. He's there's, great. There's Adrian Palicki, who's uh, who's Perkins, um, and, uh, and there's a number of these like small little parts that are the most interesting things about this movie. Um, but there's no way for a movie to pay service to all of them. So you're right that. Nothing ever becomes of any of their characters, but there's no way for a movie to make that happen. Mm, you can't, that's the challenge, though. That's the creative challenge the writer has. And again, and it, this is this is my default, but like I blame it the writer and not the actors. They are great actors. Like these are setups in Search of a Payoff. Like that cops tried it out. And it's a great scene, like you said. And then, but I don't think you need a payoff for that. I think I think that scene not is that it's, guy, is its own payoff. He comes. He comes. He says. Uh, uh, John, are you back yet? No, I'm just cleaning up some stuff. And he just looks and he sees the body and he's like, "All right, I'm heading out of here." And 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 that's that's his thing. And the, the guy who is the the guy with the hat who leads the cleanup service when Keanu Reeves calls them in for the dinner reservation for twelve, that guy's super good too. All the small roles in this are awesome. Um, I think they are so well done, and that is my favorite thing about this movie, that all those little rules are so well done. I don't need them to be paid off, and I'm not worried about that. I just love that all I'm just happy to see them. It's not just that I'm happy to see them. It's that that those little rules are so well fleshed out from that that woman who's at the bar who's saying, I've never seen like this. What do you mean vulnerable? And she is beautiful and interesting. She's just – I'm like – what God? I would I would watch a movie with her and that mayhem dude and uh, and almost any of these other characters. I'm not quite as interested in the rest of this movie, but I love all of these little characters. So I'm not I'm I'm not quite sure what I'm saying. I, I don't need all of those things to be paid off, um, but they're just more interesting than the rest of the story of this movie. Oh yeah, it's but. Uh, but the, but the problem my problem isn't that I need I need them to be paid off so I'm I'm not quite sure where to go with this because I love all of those little characters and I love those actors too they're so good um, and and that isn't to say I have a problem with 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 Keanu Reeves in this it's just that they are I, I just was so interested in each one of those little pieces um, I'm just not sure that these filmmakers know how to put a movie around them yeah. I, I I actually don't have a problem at all with Keanu Reeves. Like I actually think he's good. And he, his face looks really interesting to me on this. Like he's really he he kind of looks old, like in a, but in a cool way. He just looks rugged and worn down, like the character should. And I didn't hate the action up to a point, but then it I felt it sort of was repeating itself. Like every fight started to feel the same to me, which seems to be what I say every time we see a movie. And well, I think you make actually that's actually a great point. I want I want to talk about both those things actually, okay. uh, but but um, which do you want to talk about first, Keanu Either Reeves one. or the action? I was done with my, but those are both my topic senses. All right, so let's let's talk about the action because the guys who directed this are stunt dudes. Um, they're the, they're the guys who worked with Keanu Reeves on The Matrix. Um, they're 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 Died in wool stunt dudes. They made friends with him, and uh, over the years they've continued to be friends with him. And so they finally wrote a movie, and they got to 
get him to be in it, and they got m- money for it. So they're stunt dudes. They're chore- they, so I think that um, the choreography, the fight choreography in this is great. I think the staging is horrible. Um, yeah. And I think overall, there's so much violence and so much of it that by the end, by the time we get to the final fight with Vigo, you're kind of like checking your watch. You're like, uh, all right. I've, yeah, I've I know seen. it's going to happen. Right. But, th- but it's, there's no culmination. Uh, so their, their answer to every question is punch somebody in the face and then shoot them in the neck, shoot them in the head, and shoot right. them in the foot, shoot them in the knee, shoot them in the head again. And we're just going to do this over and over and over again. So the, by the time we get to the final fight, it's kind of like, uh, ho hum. Well, you know what are you going to do? You haven't you haven't built us to any sort of culmination. So, uh, I mean, uh, well, I I mean, y- you you said you liked that nightclub fight, right? I hate I hate slow motion. I think it's a crutch, and there's very little slow motion in this movie. And so I liked that. Like I liked the pacing of it. But it is like you said, the staging is like he's moving through a crowd, and suddenly people notice. <laughs> like by the time the scene's nearly over, you're never sure if like. There's a couple Deus Ex Machinas, too. I didn't like how Defoe has to save him. Oh, oh. did you see that come in? Uh, I was hoping it wasn't, and then uh, I was um, sadly proven right. Yeah, yeah. Because I go, well, he's got a bag on his head. Like, how's he get? Um, but I was, I'm with you as far as that, like, that bag in the head thing. Is, is, I was like, please don't let somebody else save him. Because when he does that whole speech to Vigo, he's like, you, you'll... You'll either go with me or you won't, or you'll be lying there next to your son right. while I killed the two of you. I was mm-hmm. like, okay, then you're going to get yourself out of this, but he doesn't. Yeah, he doesn't have a plan. And also, the ch- Perkins, the girl, used a – like, she had – she was dead. She was uh, dead in the water, too, and she got out of it on her own merits. So it's like John Wick is lamer than Perkins. Right. You're absolutely right. Yeah. yeah. So – the fact that they don't have a rematch winds up even being lamer because it's like, oh, see, he, what would have happened if he'd faced her again? Could he have shot her in the head the second try? Well, what did you think about the fight stuff? And McShane too. Um, just like just thinking about the cl- the the two the two major fights, like the like in his house at the beginning and then in the club. We're getting working your way through the Red Circle Club, all that sort of like gun fighting. I liked it up to a point, and then it didn't really get. It didn't really. I like you said when you were checking your watch. Like I kind of got used to it because it seemed like the they kept falling for the same shit. <laughs> like they would spread out. It's the kind of thing where in the club, you know, the obvious solution is all right. Turn up the lights if you can't see him. <laughs> and he's in the right. middle of the room, <laughs> and he's already announced his presence. And there's thirty of you. Because Ian McShane even does that. He's like, all right, Perkins, here's a guy, here's a guy, here's a guy, here's a guy. We'll do it under the skin, four compass points, and hopefully all b- four bullets like converge in the middle of her head at the same time. But with, but like the Russian guy couldn't figure that out. Go past her and into the other dude. Yeah, like the Russian guy doesn't can't feel, like the dad's like, oh, we can't do anything about John Wick. Fuck, you, you, you fucked up John Wick's karma to punch you in the stomach. Okay, now I'm going to send 12 guys to his house. All right, that didn't work, even though I already hired William Defoe. Like, he's not right. He doesn't know what he's doing. That's actually, uh, that, that is my favorite point, and I didn't even think about it. He just blew this movie wide open because the, the, the leader of security, instead of going uh, uh, position two, position three. Right. As they soon panic. as you know John Wick's in there, everybody turn up the lights, turn off the music, and everybody lie on the ground. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, it's, it's, it's very simple. Let's just take care of this. 
And that happens before they get him with a bag over his head. The guy doesn't finish him. The guy doesn't stay to watch him die after he's killed his son. <laughs> All right, I'm gonna leave. So there's another thing at the end of the movie with me. <laughs> I actually, I love too that. Easy. I love that nightclub. I, I love that nightclub. I do too. Because it felt like a James Bond sequence. Yeah, like, yeah. I think the choreography is just great, and I and I love like it's, it's that close up stuff. I love how the the gunplay is used, yeah. and, how the, and how the sound the sound of the guns isn't this really like huge like uh, chest thumping sound. It, it sounds more like like bullet spray. So it's like, yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, precision work, and it's kind of video gamey, but not in a bad way. Like it's yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the way you got like you guys I, the RoboCop actions be yeah. called but you guys liked it and that's kind of how i felt about the john wick stuff like yeah i get the guy in the corner up oh, you got to get that guy okay take his foot out then you like i can see him thinking tactically quickly that kind of right. i don't know it was sort of working for me and and i also think keanu reeves he handles it well mm-hmm. i mean he's obviously at a different stage right now than he was when he was doing the matrix mm-hmm. and he's a little more it, it, this is a little more difficult for him uh it, and and he's it's supposed to be. I mean, he and that's one of the things I like that you said just a minute ago when you were talking about Keanu Reeves is that you thought that he looked a little. What did you say? He looked a little older, maybe just old and world world worn down, like yeah. too much. What's uh, what's Bilbo or Ennis' stupid leap? But like, what's Gandalf or Bilbo say in Lord of the Rings? Like the rings, like uh, uh What's he say? Jam spread over too much. Jam spread too thin over too much bread. Or yeah, I, I think it's butter over too much bread. Like yeah, that. like the rings worn Keanu Reeves down, kind of. Like yeah, 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 yeah. Too much. Been hitting the ring, hitting the ring syringe. <laughs> That's actually a great point because um, before I went to see this movie, I was sitting down to breakfast with my folks who were in town to see me, and and my mom was like, well, "What do you think of Keanu Reeves?" She's like, is he a good actor? I said, no, he's he's not. But he he knows what he can do. He understands his limitations. He understands his his marketing like spectrum, and he and he hits it. He's really good at that. Mm-hmm. He's so, also his what, what I wouldn't call him like I don't consider him like an actor with a lot of range. But there's some actors I like. I mean, like Tom doesn't like Harrison Ford either. But like he's really good in some movies. Like. Even if you, if it's just his badness, like if Tom's going, oh, he's such a bad actor. Like if he's being bad in Raiders of the Lost Ark, it's working. That's all I can tell you. <laughs> if it's not working for you, fair enough. But like Keanu Reeves to be in the first Speed movie is fucking amazing because the movie is perfect for what he's doing. Right. You know what I mean? Like he's exactly as dumb as the movie. It's like he right. fits it like a like a glove, and he checked out on the second one. So who's dumb? <laughs> and he's made a lot of movies I like, which I can't say that about. Like Sandra Bullock, between Speed One and Gravity, made I think nothing I ever wanted to see. But I liked even like kind of goofball. Like Constantine's a really good movie, isn't it? It's awesome. It's one of my. F- I love that movie, and I think, I think he he's great. Well, the thing about him is he knows exactly how much his range is, and he. And he hits it, and he knows how to make fun of himself, too. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, that's one of the great things about... One of my favorite lines in The Matrix is when um, when Neo goes to see the Oracle. And and she's like, okay, I guess i got to look at you now. And she's like, you're cute. Uh, I can understand why she likes you. And he says, who? And she goes, not so bright, though. 
Um, right. See, he he didn't veto that line. Yeah, and he could have. He's powerful right. enough actor to be able to say, wait, I know everybody mm-hmm. makes fun of me because I'm not smart. Mm-hmm. So uh, strike that line because I'm insecure about it. But no, he's like, leave that in there. That's fine. Yeah, would Brad Pitt have left that line in? Of course he would. Brad Pitt has the same ability to make fun of himself. Have you seen okay, bad example. This week? All right. Uh, but there's plenty of actors who... Steven Seagal. Steven Seagal, yeah. No, I don't, wait, what? But Keanu Reeves can, understood that, hey, that's funny, leave it in there. And then Constantine, he does some of the same stuff. There's there's this moment where uh, Rachel Weisz says, um, uh, you know, do I need to take off my clothes? And he's like, I'm thinking. I mean, it's this. He understands what's good about him, and so what I said to my mom that morning at breakfast was, he gets that he's got a narrow range, and he's not going to try to play outside that range. But he, he sort of proved me wrong in this movie, in that he kind of reaches beyond his range a couple of times, and he does fine. In that scene before they put the bag on his head. When he's yelling at Vigo, when he's screaming at him about why killing the dog is important to him, why that, why, why this movie is based on that, he's telling us why this movie is based on him tracking some dude down for killing his dog because we never come up with a car again. Um, why that's important to him? I mean, Ken Reeves is really stretching there. I don't know if I've seen him do that kind of thing before. He's really screaming at the guy, and I mean, and he's really. I mean, he's really trying, and I, I, I really liked him in this. Yeah, I've liked him. I've liked him in The Gift a lot. I don't remember if you saw that. It was a Sam Raimi. Oh yeah, yeah, that's, that's a good point. Yeah, he plays someone kind of different from his normal thing in that. He's he's a red herring character, but he's like a redneck. He's really good in that. I remember liking him in Feeling Minnesota, which is kind of a stupid movie. I think I like. I guess Jeez, Sam I never, I never even saw that. Jeez. Cameron Diaz, and I remember liking him in Little Buddha. Oh, right. Bridget Fonda. Yeah, I, 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 I Whenever somebody says that, I just remember that I liked Kundun and I didn't see a little bit. Of oh, I see. They're not yeah, that but similar. I, but I liked but him I, in this, and I, and I like that he get. And I think I get the sense that he gave his stunt friends a chance to make a movie, basically. Yeah, and he doesn't suck. He definitely no, no, just, he doesn't just suck. This movie in. Yeah. And and when I when I was talking about their staging is you know I think their fight choreography is perfectly fine. They don't know. I don't think these guys know how to um, build a fight. As far as like this is, they're just going to do the same thing over and over and over and over and over and over and over again and just assault us with bullets. Right. Value. Um, right. And then in that scene with John Leguizamo in the garage, they don't know how to stage a thing theatrically. I mean, they, he walks toward them and he walks away. He walks toward them and then he walks away. I mean, you're you're losing energy every time you do that. I mean, yeah. th- these are sort. Of, this is sort of like staging 101. I mean, you have the character make a move, and then when he when he needs to be strong, he makes a move away. You don't have him like go back and forth like a yo-yo. There's a lot of that kind of thing in this movie. Yeah. These guys just don't know how to stage a scene. That's okay because I think that they choreograph good fights here and there. Yeah, and they have the performances that you like. Yeah, well, I I, I, and that's the thing. I mean, I just think that the the small performances in this movie save it. Um, you know, it's. I don't know if I want to see more John Wick movies. I didn't. I mean, it's kind of an unforgiven kind of movie. Yeah, I don't think we need to see it's a one-off. I'm, I'm with you on that. But when movies have a guy, the protagonist's name is the title, it always makes me a little suspicious. Like, is this going to supposed to be a tentpole for something? 
Uh, I think that that's always the intention, and they're always hoping to strike gold, but I, obviously... That's a bad idea, because if something's good, like, the Matrix could have just stopped. Yeah. And yeah. should have. Yeah. Right, I know. So let's do an over-under. Um, do you have a movie that you would think... Uh, that you would rate uh, under this and over this? My over... It's kind of a weird choice. I have to justify it a little bit, but I think payback. Oh, that's my oh, over too. So, oh, is it okay? Because absolutely, you don't have to justify it. Yeah, okay, go, ahead, go ahead and talk about it. Well, because yeah, there's, yeah, yeah, yeah. there's there's a hotel in it that's kind of similar as a similar thing. Like this is the hotel where everybody stay, everybody in the outfit stays, and it, it, there's kind of a similar jargon in payback. Like it's the outfit, and everybody knows who it is, and it's like the thing about the works. For me, in Payback, that doesn't work quite as much in this movie, is Payback's all about, like, a certain... It's, it all takes place in, like, a very self-contained universe that's very consistent, with consistent rules. And then, yeah, 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 yeah. Mel Gibson and Brian, and the director, Brian Hogan, I was really public falling out over, like, the third act, and so there's, like, this this uncut original ending that Hogan wanted, and so the studio had rewrote the third act, mostly, so that Chris Christopherson character... Like their addition, and I think I kind of like the studio one more. Oh, really? Have you ever seen both of them? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And I like that blue washed out drabness, and I really like how Mel Gibson fights in that movie. I like how he moves and he thinks, and I like just the grime of it. Although the the uh, what's it called? Payback Straight Up is that what the the original cut's called? There's that really great scene where he he meets he. Uh, reunites with his wife and um in the original cut like he threw her down from the table and like the actress broke a rib doing it but they cut the scene because they thought it was too hardcore for people to see mel gibson like do that to a chick so it's like the actress did it for nothing like she fucking pulled what out took one for the team and then they cut it because it was too good i can relate so yeah payback to me is a clear over and that's why like it felt cohesive yeah everyone checks out totally with you on payback and then that's there's disabilities in it it's all him and his world right and it also i mean i I like what you said about the look because i think the Mm -hmm. i think john i think john wick has that sort of same i think they're going for that same sort of we're going to do black and white but not black and white obviously um which which after the fact when i was thinking of over under I was thinking, well, this reminds me of Payback, and then I was thinking of the way this movie uses music. Mm-hmm. And I love the way Payback uses music. Yeah, I, think, I think John Wick uses mu- music very effectively, but I think it overuses certain songs. There's this weird sort of like, uh, I, I'm killing bad guys so I can't kill my friend's song. I can't remember who, who did that song. But th- there's really good music in it, but it, I think it's a little bit ham-handed, whereas I think that Payback uses music much better. Yeah, I only remember that one. Like, I remember the score in Payback. But I don't remember like long, like songs actually playing. No, I just remember like the, the way. Yeah, I think that that uh, I think that John Wick has this weird sort of schizophrenic use of music. So that some of it is that sort of weird, like 
look how cool this is yeah exactly and then there's this throbbing sort of this is definitely soundtrack music and here's a weird uh screaming song about such and such that is very on the nose about the action that's going on right now he lost Um, dog gonna get him now right it 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 is almost like that it's like we we kill these guys so we don't kill our friends kind of a song i I can't remember what it is but it was a little it was a little too on the nose for me, um, where I thought Payback was better at that. Yeah, and so John Wick has too many friends in this movie, as opposed to the Mel Gibson character in Payback, who's just like, <laughs> fuck everybody, fuck all of you. Like, I know the Maria Bello character is sort of... I, you know, I don't know that I would agree with that, but I like that point, because I think John Wick just has people who fear him. Yeah. Well, no, because John Leguizamo does it, and I don't think William Dafoe... Did it out? Oh, of I think Willem like, Dafoe is his only friend. I think everybody else. But the girl fears, fears him or respects at the bar. At the bar, doesn't hate him. And the guy, um, the pillow guy, Freeman. Oh Phillip. yeah, Harry. I think it's, it's like they know each other. Like it's they're not friends, and he gives him a coin. But he has like a really big network. The cop. <laughs> the I love that. I love that coin thing. How do you feel about that coin thing? I love. That. Um. Yeah, I liked it. You made a funny. You made a funny sort of like, uh, I don't know, a Chuck E. Cheese like uh, arcade token thing joke, which I thought was great. Well, they look like casino. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. It also made me. This is. I don't want to necessarily get into Kelly's Heroes yet, but it. It also. I watched Kelly's Heroes, your, your, movie pick for the week, and that. It's like about gold too. So when yeah. I saw John Wick, I'm like, "Yep, gold's like <laughs> your basic, like Pulp Fiction too. Like if you don't want to have to have dialogue about something, just make it gold." But I, 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 but I love that that you know when he I like this. when he unearths his uh, his stash, mm-hmm. and you see those those uh, those stacks of coins. You're like, what, "What's that?" And then Vigo opens his safe, and you see the same coins in there. Yeah. You're like, what's up with that? I, okay, I can't see. Just paid him, and then you see that that's literally the coin of the realm. I mean, yeah. the, that hotel is one of my favorite constructions. I love that place. I would love a movie about that place, and that that the coin is just like, I'm going to pay the coin for this. I'm going to pay for the coin for that. I'm going to put it in the slot to get into the bar, and uh, the coin is whatever it is worth. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, and, and it's almost variable, uh, and I kind of I kind of love that. I love that yeah, I world. And you're right about the world, it's world building. building. Yeah. yeah, you're absolutely right about that. And it's visual. Like you don't need like okay, it's a gold coin. Like what more? What can you reduce that to that's better? Well, you know, well it might not. You know, I, I got this sort of Ayn Rand kind of a feel. Like like it's, <laughs> it's they've they've earned gold, and they're going to use gold to barter whatever they they're going to use yeah. this coin for what they want to spend they're not using pay, this is it this is this you know it was right. really great all right so what's your under well so also to, one last thing about the coins though like when he did when he pays the launderers he gives them does he give them 12 or one because he goes reservation for 12 but i i can't remember now but i remember does he give no, the he, dude? He, he he gives a stack of 12 to them okay so it's one gold coin per body like right. that's one of our metrics that we already that we know. Right. Reservation for twelve and then he like stacks them up in his hand and hands them over. I like it. But it also it's like another video game thing too. Like in a good way. Like okay, ah. it's like video games and this is like it's the right. video game world of John Wick. <laughs> My under would be I guess all those stupid fucking eighties movies like Raw Deal 
with Arnie or stick with Burt Reynolds yeah. or get yeah, Carter Sylvester Stallone where it's like, I don't want to go back in and do the bloodbath, but you killed my blank. Dog, daughter, wife, something. All right. Yeah, fair enough. My under would be uh, the mechanic, but the, the one with stick. Oh, the new one? Yeah. Oh, I didn't see that one. It's it's not any good. You guys uh, said not so, to see it. Yeah, it's, it's not worth seeing. Um, ben Foster is really good in it, but Ben Foster is good in just about anything. And and this is you know what I what I what I was thinking is, is geez, you know everybody thinks Jason Jason Statham is such a badass and he's so good, and they give Keanu Reeves such short shrift, but Keanu Reeves is much better. Um, uh, so I would. Jason Statham looks like a badass, so it's like when Keanu Reeves. Um, when everyone's like, oh, dude, you pissed off John Wick? Oh, fuck. You're like, he hasn't done anything yet to justify that. So the fact that it's this dude, and that's something I liked about Payback, too, because Mel Gibson's like a little dude. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. In the books, that character's like a big, like, his like hair is described as dead, but his, like, his arms are really must. Like, he's a big, like, just emotionless, cold fish kind of character. But I liked how Mel Gibson would like use his smallness to kind of like get like they were always like he was always getting roughed up, but he would he would use that opportunity to like snake badges and guns and shit like. <laughs> they don't yeah, I, I love that you said that because one of my favorite roles of somebody who gets roughed up is uh, is Gabriel Byrne in Miller's Crossing. He's he's not a real tough guy, and he just right. gets the shit beat out of him. Yeah. But he but he's constantly getting things for himself and doing that. Yeah, he's Irish, so he's used to it. Right, and Keanu Reeves gets the crap beat out of him uh, in this, um, and Defoe does too. Yeah, yeah. Defoe, they get the drop on him. There's a lot of drops. Like Perkins, they get the drop on her. Oh, Ian McShane's bad at me. Fuck, I didn't think that was going to happen. There's a lot of that. Like yeah. too much of it instead of John Wick. Like I'd rather just see him. Probably. I know you like the actors, but if they're not all going to have sex. Yeah, it's a good point. Actually, it's my role. All right, so uh, moving on now, uh, you have given your over, your over, and my over are both payback. I love that we both chose yeah. that. Uh, for me, it's that. It, it, it Wait, that. we did that too. We did that two weeks ago, didn't we? Have did the we? same one? I don't think so. Or was it the movie pick? It was. I th- no, it was that you, when I picked uh, the movie to watch, it was going to be. It was before we introduced the over under, and yeah. so the movie pick was was going to be your over. So our uh, both of our overs were, was payback and under. Y- yours was any eighties movie. Mine is um, <laughs> the mechanic. <laughs> so I do um, test right. So then we move on to our mini, our little mini movie uh, club thing. And so, inspired by last week's movie, The Fury... Just uh, Fury. Oh, I'm sorry. Fury. The Fury is the Irving, uh, Kirk Douglas thing. Very good. So, inspired by last week's movie, Fury, which I really loved, and I think you were less enamored of. Um, I definitely recommend it. All right, yeah. Good. Uh, but uh, but I, I, wanted to, I wanted us to watch, and I haven't seen it in many years. Uh, I went ahead and ordered it uh, from Amazon, I, and I watched it. Uh, this week I had to watch it in installments because uh, I've got uh, a kid around here who shouldn't be watching that movie. Kelly's Heroes. Um, so yeah, Kelly's. I watched Kelly. We, so the movie we watched this week was Kelly's Heroes. And you watched it this week? Yeah. All right. So I haven't seen think? it in a while. I was. I, really, I haven't seen it in a long time. I. It was a great choice because it was really interesting to watch it right after Fury. This movie where it's like 
it's all about oh the horror of war and like World War Two the the worst part of like the most fucked up in the dirt like realistic people get stabbed in the eye and to watch people getting stabbed in the eye and then Kelly's Heroes is made during Vietnam War so it's like it's kind of like Mash where you have the it's like everybody everyone gets off pretty much scot free they get away with the gold but it was such like a like especially Sutherland like Donald Sutherland's saying stuff like can you dig it and he's stoned out of his gourd and the idea that like Nazi tank commanders and drill sergeants would be like, okay, we got to get the gold bars because, well, the captain's on the holiday in Paris with the yacht. Like, just the war ending's not as relevant to them as like, oh, we got to get some fucking smack out of this, man. I know it's deep in Germany, but come on, there's a bank full of gold bars. Like, getting smuggling all that shit out of the country or even getting it off the truck undetected and split 60 ways is not what the movie's about. It's like just work it out and that uh, parody of good bad the ugly at the end yeah that's the end of the movie that's the dramatic climax is they walk down the street and go come on here's some bars and they don't fuck the guy over as opposed to like an inglorious bastards shootout sequence but it made you try to picture like a, a similar heist war movie but it's set in Iraq like it's the same thing but I guess it's just Halliburton and Carol O'Connor's character the hero. But I liked watching it. It definitely was, it made me remind me of simpler times. So, and it's such a weird cast, too, because it's it's um, Clint Eastwood's Helly Savalas, Don Brickles versus um, a tank in a bank. Am I missing anything? Was there some, no, I mean, I mean Carol O'Connor, Kevin McLeod. I mean, there's so many weird people in it yeah. that you're watching, especially to people of our generation who saw TV during that time. Uh, and for me, watching it again, I mean, what I was, you know, my kid was asking me, what, what are you watching this week? And I said, Kelly's Heroes. And what I was trying to explain to him, and I got this sort of like glazed over look from him, like, okay, old man, uh, is, is this yeah. sort of like, thing yeah i watched this because when i was a kid you turned on the tv and you watched what was on it yeah <laughs> I oh, mean, kelly's it, heroes is on this weekend <laughs> yeah kelly's heroes was on late at night and you know saturday mornings i could watch him turn cartoons sunday mornings i could watch church and mm-hmm. i can't there's no other things to watch you can you can pick up your ipad and dial up anything on netflix i can watch whatever appears when i was a kid we had two channels you know and i'm not that old. i mean I'm, I'm i'm in my 40s but you know i lived up in colorado in the mountains and we didn't have cable or anything and no no one did i lived yeah, in la we had three channels too so i'm just going between a couple of channels so whatever is on is what is on and i was trying to explain that to him like and so i found this movie kelly's heroes that i would see every now and then and i just fell in love with it um, and I'm still in love with it. I mean, I watched it again. So watching these guys that that I've sin- since come to learn to see in other things. I mean, I can't believe how good Telly Savalas is. In yeah, so he's good. actually my favorite in the movie. Isn't he good? I yeah. mean, he's hard nosed and mm-hmm. mean, and but but he's got this great underlying sort of like okay we're gonna try to do this kind of a thing about. I mean, uh, I just think of him as this cartoon character as. A co- is it was he Kojak? Is that what? Yeah, um, but but he's so good in this movie. Yeah, and he has to do a lot of facial reactions. Like people get wasted, and he yeah. just kind of doesn't say anything. But he's the only one who seems affected by it. Right. Clint Eastwood's all about. Clint Eastwood was really big on never 
give me less dialogue and like the less the less of me the more like the more people <laughs> like it and i didn't even remember what uh what kelly's um motivation i didn't remember you know watching it again this week i didn't remember that the reason that he's where he is why he's a private is because he had this whole disaster that happened earlier mm-hmm. that he got busted for yeah um, which was fascinating to me. I mean, there's this really weird underlying bitterness to him. That yeah, that's a World War II movie. Yeah, like you, like it's a Vietnam. Like it's like, yeah, his his uh, captain is that guy who doesn't seem to give a shit. Like it may as well have been that guy who picked Kelly to take it. And the guy telling that story, the guy who tells Kelly's backstory, is Don Rickles. Like he's kind yeah. of cackling about yeah, it. Yeah, Don Rickles. I yeah. mean, holy cats, Don Rickles. I mean, I love. I, I stand watching comedians. I don't want to hear about how all the old comedians are so great. But watching Don Rickles, he's great in this. Mm-hmm. Oh, man, I really loved watching this again. It's just um, where he's been hit it. Like, it's him and Clint Eastwood teaming up against <laughs> Nazis. Like, if you just try... I know Kiernan would that would mean shit to him, but I'm like, dude, it's Rickles and Kojak and Dirty Harry and... <laughs> and the captain Hawkeye. of the uh, of the love boat is in this too. And, yeah. and to say nothing of Donner Sutherland. Donna I Sutherland. mean this this performance for me. I mean the year show, after Mash or the year of it. Uh, right? I, yeah, you know what? I'm not a big fan of the movie Mash. I just haven't seen it. I mean, uh, I saw yeah. it I saw it like once and it just I, but I was a huge fan of the, of the television show just because my parents watched it when I was a kid. Well, it's like they got like Sutherland and Yellow Good were trying to get Robert Altman fired while they were making it like that. Oh. And then it wound up being a big hit, and then Altman never works with Sutherland again, and Ellie Gould sends him an apology, and I guess they work together in something. But like that happened months before oh, this movie was filmed, so it's like maybe that's baggage that Donald Sutherland's carrying, or oh, maybe. I've got the timeline totally fucked up. But he's so dopey and cartoonish. Like, like I said, everyone's cartoonish in this movie except Telly's flawless somehow to me. Right. He wound up being the neglected fruit. Like, he was kind of my acroyd of the group. Oh. That's but a good way to kept finding myself. Yeah, because it's, I mean, it's Kelly's Heroes. It's a Clint Eastwood movie. Yeah. Rickles the buffoon, Rick Moranis. And, and what about that part where, uh, it reminded me of this, it's kind of a similar scene in Black Knight where it's like Don Rickles and the dude get uh because of a tank blast or something they get thrown into a uh an outhouse or a, a toilet yeah, yeah, yeah it's supposed yeah. to have shit on them but it's not shit it's obviously just like brown dust because it's not it would be too disgusting to have them covered in actual shit right like starship troopers level shit <laughs> in the shit anyway i'm sorry it's, it's, people just pretend like oh you smell bad yeah but they right and he has to act like he brushes himself off and looks like I do smell bad. Like, he looks really mortified by it. Even though he just survived a tank. Like, that'd be the least of your worries, you would think. Right? But, he, but do you like Donald Sutherland on this? Uh, I can't decide. It's so dated. It's such like a... It feels like such pandering. Like, it's okay, and here's for the hippies in the audience. Oh, all right. I mean, he's really young, and he had. I like his neg- his bad negative waves guy, and I also liked his sidekick, who was always like, "Are you fucking crazy?" Inside okay, I'm, I'm adding the f words, but like that guy was always pissed. He was the guy who was always adding the negative waves. Yeah, that's Gavin McLeod. What? Yeah. He seemed so upset all the time. Really? Yeah. That's, 
That's okay. uh, that's uh, Captain Stooping. I did like when in the middle of the battle, like Donald Sutherland and his whole crew just kind of pretend they're in Bermuda and put parasols <laughs> up. And Tully Spall's like, "Could you fix that thing?" And he's like, "I don't know how to run it." baby he sees all this that's the thing is he seems like anachronistic i think that's what it was annoying me about donald Sutherland. like he's being a little he's using flower child jargon oh, all right or am well, I wrong? you know no no i think you're right because i don't know quite where to put it because i don't know i don't know much about donald yeah, I don't, oh um so you know i'm i'm looking at like all these weird like there, there's a couple of weird performances i really love um there's there's one of Kevin Costner's first performances, which was in um, uh, Silverado. Yes. Oh yeah, yeah. And he's he he's just so weird. I mean, he's just. Uh, and, but it's one of his first performances, and he's just like free. I mean, there's so much freedom in what he's doing. He's just being, dumbly awesome, awesome. Yeah, yeah. And and then I and when I think of that, I think of uh, Toshiro Mifune in Seventh Samurai, and how just wacky he is in that uh, in that movie. How just like uh, he's just like anarchy he's just this, like he will run around and do anything uh-huh. and as i as i was watching this again uh, this week i was wondering uh does does this fit in that thing but i don't know donald sutherland enough to know if if he's just doing what you're doing what you're saying about pandering or if it is really a genuinely exciting performance uh well you mean exciting? Well, that's a subjective thing. I mean, it, it is subjective. But like he says, "Can you dig it, baby?" And then I'm like, nah. "What?" I love it because it's just so weird. I mean, it's I like negative waves because that felt more specific to him. Like that seemed like something a crazy tank commander might say, right? For all we know. But then he kind of—it's sort of like John Wick. He doesn't really have a larger vocabulary that I was anticipating. But I was also wondering, remember where they call in those, the, the bridge? To, oh, yeah, I did like when the bridge blows up. He's like, okay, we got a bridge, and then it blows up, and then it, he's just like, okay, we don't got a bridge. But then they call in all those engineers to make the bridge. And then I was wondering, wait, did they all get a gold bar, too? Like, Rickles keeps going, oh, we're getting so rich off this. But they keep adding dudes they need, kind of like John Wick. He's got his Defoe to pay off with the gold coin. He's got all his laundromats. It's pretty much the same movie. All right. Yeah. Uh, so we've got a couple of listeners who wrote in. <laughs> uh, we have somebody named Jürgen Kessner. <laughs> Something new. Um, you... So Jürgen Kessner nice. from Germany. Uh, oh, and then he tells me how to pronounce it. Uh, name begins like Yurt or Curtin. So hopefully I got it right, Jürgen. Thank you. A German writing about Kelly's heroes to us. That's right. Yay! Hey, fellas. Hope I'm not too late for the podcast. I saw time after time as well. Delivery tickets, well, you know. I uh, can't wait till one false move shows up in the mail. <laughs> I um, think. So, so Yuren says, Kelly's Heroes. Uh, pairing a fairly standard World War II adventure with anti-war sensibilities and cinematic stylings of the 60s worked surprisingly well for me. Donald Sutherland's character is essentially a stoned time traveler from 1970. Yeah. I liked Carl Otto Alberti as the tank guy at the end. Uh, he has this air around him. It's no wonder he was typecast as a Nazi officer during most of his career. Really? Oh, good. I liked him, too. He, was, he, he seemed sort of dignified and like he didn't... He really did, but then when the gold bar shows up, he's just, yeah, like, just drooling. I, um, but I like that. Yeah, he does. But they made him do it. <laughs> I mean, it's... 
<laughs> yeah, obviously. Um, so I'm going to go ahead and read this since Jurgen uh, also uh, sent us something about time after time. Uh, David Warner gave voice to one of my favorite video game villains, John Aranicus in Baldur's Gate 2. Hmm. And I loved him in this as well. He's such a menace. The movie feels incredibly dated, but I was still able to enjoy it overall. I remember in time after time, since th- we talked about that at length last week, and I forgot to say this. Do you remember his first, like, before you know it's David Warner, and he kills that first chick at the beginning? No, because it's all, it's all, like, POV from him. Right, right, but you hear the knife go into her, and you just see her face. I remember yeah. being really traumatized by that sound effect. Like, it really yeah. sounded violent. I just wanted you to know that, Dingus. I appreciate it. Glad we're past. Uh, Jurgen says, thanks for the recommendations. I hadn't seen either of these movies. Looking forward to the next week. All the best to you two, and especially Tom Jurgen. Hmm. All right, uh, Tom will definitely hear that, Jurgen, and I uh, appreciate you saying that. Um, next, we have Chris Markinson. <laughs> hey, yes. Mini Penny Movie Club of Palooza. <laughs> He's going with your name for it, Kelly. He's carrying all our water. He's doing it all for us. Chris carries so much water. He oh, so many gold coins. <laughs> I wasn't familiar with this movie, so it was pretty enjoyable to see so many familiar faces in this movie, especially a young Uncle Leo. Uh, yeah, very good, Chris. Uh, sorry, a young Uncle Leo as the sergeant in charge of the of the bridging unit. Uh, do you know oh, what he yeah. means? Oh, Uncle Leo no, no, Seinfeld? Uncle Leo. Yeah. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Yeah. Right. Yes. Same character. <laughs> I love that so much. All right. So back to what Chris is saying. Uh, it was also interesting to see all, uh, almost total blood-free combat, which I'm assuming was standard back then for comedy, and a GP-rated movie, which is the equivalent of a PG. Did anyone else think that Clint Eastwood's role could have gone to almost any other actor, and the movie would have felt pretty much the same? Finally. What do you think the odds are that Oddball and his tank crew were going to survive heading back to Allied Lines running a tiger tank dressed in human uniform? <laughs> I think he's talking about the way he's driving that he's not a Nazi. I can't wait to hear what the John Wick synopsis is going to be called. Uh, you, yeah. I, I felt I punted on that. Yeah, but... we, we both did. You, you punted and then I fumbled. So, But the blood freeness, like it felt especially starker right after Fury, where it's it's really trying to like make you feel mortified by the violence. But also like in Kelly's Heroes, there's only like I think two battles in the whole movie. But back then, and then everyone who gets shot in it like just falls over. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you, you see that first guy that he gets drunk get shot by the you know by the tank i mean the the colonel the german colonel and he just sort of like folds over but he's sort of folds over yeah yeah but they don't even show like a blood no no it's just people folding over yeah we're all the same yes we are on the inside so next we have simon esders this is our final uh hey folks that certainly felt like someone threw about one hour and ten minutes for the comedy and not a particular interesting 60s war movie of about the same length into a blender, switched it on for half a minute, then decided that the job's done, regardless of the fact that most of the comedy is still at the bottom and most of the war movie on top, with only a few clots of either interspersed with the rest. Thus, we spend half an hour getting introduced to a cast of characters who are mostly too one-dimensional to really care for, 
the whiny one, the slow one, the one with the Texan accent, the Clint Eastwood who plays Clint Eastwood without the edge, too standard to clash with the setting in any comedic way, the obvious exception being Donald Sutherland's aptly named Sergeant Oddball, who is all around great, and generally played too straight to really entertain for most of the film. Then we spend three quarters of an hour following these uninteresting guys going on a mostly humorless hike behind enemy lines. Or maybe the concept of friendly fire was funny enough in 1970 that you didn't need comedic timing or acting to sell it. Actually, interesting scenes such as those spent with Oddball's tank crew and overeager cartoon general seem like they come from a completely different movie. Luckily enough, the pace picks up in the second half as Oddball and Kelly's men meet up. Situations keep escalating. More stuff starts exploding, and the movie begins to actually be fun. There's something to be said for the idea of having a movie start out mostly straight-faced, and then letting it slowly derail into madness. But for that to work, the straight-faced part should be A, ideally interesting in its own way, and B, not take up more time than an episode of Columbo. I still had fun watching the movie. It's just that to get most of the fun, I had to sit through another less fun movie that I didn't feel like I'd added much. Although maybe for the first part, it's hilarious if you have actually more than a passing familiarity with more movies of the area. Some additional notes. That stupid theme song will be stuck on my head until the day I die. <laughs> yeah, I agree with them. Actually, I have most of that. Everything. <laughs> 70s practical effects are awesome. It's like those tanks are shooting mini-nukes. They were only 30 years old back then, huh? Or 20 or something. <laughs> so Simon then finally says, wishing you, despite general grumpiness, all the best. So, He's- go ahead. Uh, I kind of know what he's saying, though. It's like there's the the first forty or half an hour is all that one thing where it's setting up all the characters in that they're in that like garage, and everyone kind of comes on with a cameo and a line, setting them up, and then you kind of never see most of them yet for most of the movie. Even though at the beginning it's like Stark is the platoon, and there's like thirty names, but it's like most of them are just in the back of the shot, like cowboys in the bell tower, and then also uh, when they drive away, it's like they really do they drive like right. They did the friendly fire. Like, they know they're in a movie where friendly fire is not going to kill you. Because, like, Clint Eastwood's... Isn't he just driving the Jeep and, like, shit's blowing up, like, right in front of them and right behind them? But he's just, like, imperturbably going down. They're going down, like, a road in the middle I of I love it. that opening sequence. Because he's... They're escaping. Yeah. And it, and it opens... That's all, but all, that's all he has to do is, like, the guy sees him behind the windshield and then the credits start. Well... Well, I mean, what what I was thinking when I was watching that is there's no way to communicate to the next dudes. I mean, it's not like they can text or call or immediately say, hey, here comes a – once they get past a certain point, they're just making a dash for it. Sure. But I – yeah. But – and I like that, like, they're really – like, we find out as that once they get there what they just did. Like, the mission to actually get that officer and find all that out is, like, not in the movie. Like, we just see the getaway part. And I kind of like that in movies. Where they just sort of plonk you right in the middle of shit. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you on that, yeah. So, uh, Kelly Wand? What? That's the last of our listeners uh, chipping in to talk about Kelly's heroes. So, is there any movie that you would like me to watch to talk about next week that we could tell our listeners to talk about that was inspired by you watching John Wick? Uh, I wanted, it made me want to see, uh, Hitman, because I haven't seen it. <laughs> With Timothy Oliphant. The Timothy Oliphant movie, where he's yeah. bald? Yeah, let's watch it. It's rated R. It'll be a hard R. 
And Olga Kurlenka is naked on it, isn't she? Great. But she's I, also naked in Max Payne, which is I also demand you get a tattoo of a barcode on the back of your neck if we're going to do this. What? Hitman, he's number 47. It's a video game movie. See, that's the other connection. I really thought about it. I'm still thinking uh, about it. All right, so uh, for next week's mini movie club, um, we are going to watch <laughs> Hitman. And uh, what I hope yep. is that you will write in whether you watch it or not to comment on the fact that we are watching Hitman. And you can write into 3x3 at quarter to 3.com to let us know what you think of Hitman. Uh, I will be watching it this week. I promise to watch it. Kelly Wand has watched it many times. Uh, yeah, the good parts. I'm sure he'll watch it again. Uh, and then uh, we will discuss that as well as what movie are we seeing this coming week, Kelly? Wand? Nightcrawler! X-Men prequel. We're going to go see Nightcrawler. Not X-Men. It's not an X-Men movie. Uh, but we are going to see Nightcrawler for next week's uh, quarter to three movie podcast. So join us next week for, uh, for Nightcrawler and then uh, a discussion about Hitman. Uh, I have been... Christian Morosky. I am joined by the inimitable Kelly Wand. It's pronounced w- uh, Wand, uh, but that's okay. Don't, uh, Nightcrawler, don't hook him or he'll come out when it rains. Nightcrawler, he'll teleport into your heart with a gun if you mess with him too much. Don't do it. Don't look at the eclipse. Nightcrawler, use the cardboard. Nightcrawler, planarians, don't, don't squirm. He'll, he'll, uh, He'll fish you out. Mm. Right. Evening, evening, Kelly. <laughs> was that the? Was that your Lance Reddick? No, that was my. Uh, uh, that was my Jimmy the cop. <laughs>